Hello, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode number 17, entitled Reluctant Heroes, in which I'll be examining issue number 15. Stick around if you'd like to find out what happens when our intrepid teen heroes take on the Hellfire Club and Emma Frost. Will they be captured? Or will they rescue their friend, Kitty Pride? Stick around, and we'll find out together. So, before we dive into this episode, I think it only proper to pay tribute to the great, intelligent, brilliant genius that was Stanley. Um, as I record this episode, it's the day of his passing. It will air, obviously, Wednesday. And, yeah, I just think it's something i got to do. He is the co-creator of much of the Marvel Universe. He's the reason that Marvel Comics exists in its form. He revolutionized the format of comics. He has left an indelible mark that it's questionable if any other comic creator has come close to touching. He and others like Jack the King Kirby, Tom, Roy Thomas, uh, Steve Ditko, and countless others created characters like Spider-Man, the X-Men, Hulk, Fantastic Four. I mean, the list is endless. And, like, that is huge in itself, right? That he gave us some of the greatest comic book team, hero teams that ever graced the pages of comics. Some of the best teams were developed by him and still are influential today. Like, that is unreal. But not only that, Marvel under his stewardship, created really the first unified universe. The first universe that superhero teams interacted with one another. Right? All of Stan Lee's stories were larger than life. And what he asked of his artists was to give him super dynamic poses. And they did that. And they did... They're writing in the Marvel style, right? The artist produces the pages after the artist and writer have sit down, sat down and discussed the story. And the, then Stan Lee would go in and provide the, their narration and the, and the text and the, and the, and the word bubbles. And, and that's how he wrote. And you can say whatever you want about his writing style. Um... It certainly doesn't hold up today, in my opinion. But the fact remains that he created much of the Marvel Universe. And this podcast and many others that I know of would not exist had he and, and Kirby not created the X-Men. So without that contribution, the New Mutants never exist. Chris Claremont never comes onto the book of X-Men. And I mean, we don't get the 90s in the form that we had it. Like, the mark he left on the industry 
as I've said, is matched by a few, if any. He took a second, third-rate, low-budget startup company and turned it into perhaps the number one published comic book publisher in the country. You know, and it alternates with DC, and I and I get that, but he brought it from obscurity. He and and others that he hired in most cases. He had an eye for talent. And once he was no longer creating, once he no longer wrote, this man marketed the heck out of Marvel. He marketed the heck out of himself. And he, he is in large part the reason that we see cartoons, television shows. He constantly pushed through the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And here today we finally are seeing superheroes done right on the big screen. When I was a kid, I dreamed of that. And this is all from his tireless effort. And need I remind you that this man was so kind to the fans, so generous of his time, so willing to sign books. And he did have his flaws. That should not be forgotten. But today... Like, I just wanted to remember him. He gave so much to me. I never met him, never had that chance, and and that's sad. But what he created helped me form friendships with people. Through, Through Twitter and Facebook, there's groups dedicated to the characters he created. There are people doing podcasts dedicated to the characters he created. Not only that, my... My brother and I used to go downtown in the summer. We'd ride our bikes down and we'd spend everything we earned in an allowance on comics. My brother's a huge Marvel head, just like I am. And Stan Lee's creations, whether he was still writing them or not, were the characters we followed. And that universe he and Jack built is a universe I love. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. I'm eternally grateful. And, I, and I'll never be able to repay that kindness and that generosity but for me it's a loss and i'm sure for many of you and and i do know he did have his flaws and that's for him to bear not me and so today i i just would like to take a moment in silence to to remember him to pay respect to him i just think it's the right thing to do so We'll take a brief moment of silence before we continue with our podcast. So, Stan, rest in peace, my friends. And my thoughts and prayers are with his daughter and his family and with the rest of the Marvel heads out there, and other comic fans. Thank you for everything you've done and given us. And Excelsior, sir. So, issue 15 was entitled Scaredy Cats. And today we're going to cover our creative team. Uh, it's it's the same as it's been for for a while. We're we're hitting a stride where it's 
pretty regular. We have Chris Claremont doing the writing, Sal Buscema on the art, Tom Mandrake finishing, Tom Orzacheski, he's the letterer, Glynis Wynn is coloring, and we've got Editor Jones, Luis Jones on the book still, and Editor-in-Chief is Shooter. And Shooter is going to start to really make his presence known in these issues when we begin to enter into the crossover uh, Marvel Universe crossover of Secret Wars, which we will get into, but that's starting to have its impact in the New Mutants currently, and uh, we'll we'll start seeing that more and more as we as we move forward. So that's our creative team. So issue number fifteen is entitled Scaredy Cat, and it opens with a splash page and we see Ileana in her room in the X mansion. She is sitting above hovering uh, cross-legged levitating above uh, a circle that she has created with a pentagram in the middle. It's the white flames that we've seen. We saw in limbo and she is looking. She looks as though she's casting a spell. She's using her powers. She's the only one in the room. And before we continue, I do want to take a moment to kind of talk about the room's decor. We see some pop culture references. And Claremont's really famous for doing this. Like, we have a poster of Tom Selleck. And as we all know, the New Mutants are huge fans of Magnum P.I. And, and Tom Selleck is Magnum P.I., so she thinks he's cute, I'm guessing. Otherwise, why would a teenage girl have a poster of him? Anyways, so we see Tom Skellick. We also see a Garfield stuffed animal on one of her dressers. And uh, so Ileana is a big fan of Garfield, we find out here too. So, I, you know, and the Garfield's kind of a nice touch with the, the theme or the title being Scaredy Cat. We, we have a picture of Garfield. Um, and at the beginning, so I, I do kind of like that. Um, and so we do, in fact, see that Ileana is casting a spell. She is sending her astral form in search of her friend Kitty Pride. If you remember in the last episode, we talked about how Kitty Pride was going to go with Doug Ramsey to tour the Manchester Academy. And Doug really wanted her to go. She was a little nervous about it, understandably, having almost been kidnapped by the White Queen. And uh, Kitty was involved with the body swapping of Storm with with our friend, the Emma Frost. And uh, Luckily, everything was righted, and Kitty was rescued from the snatches of the White Queen. Well, the White Queen is back, and she has invited uh, Doug to the Academy. And Kitty had told Ileana, well, you know, don't worry about it. Everything will be okay. When I get there, I'll give you a call. Uh, anyways, the White Queen is supposed to technically, she's supposed to be knocked out right now. She's was comatose the last the X-Men knew. She had had a run-in with the Mastermind, and he had done a psychic whammy on her. And uh, so she, they don't think she's up and running. Uh, and so as Ileana's astral form is traveling the distance, which takes a matter of seconds, we do see her flying through the valleys and over the hills. And she's thinking this whole entire time. She's thinking about uh, the Manchester Academy and the past, and we're getting some backstory as to what happened. We also find out from her thoughts that the X-Men are missing and thankfully, Louise Simonson tells us when this happened. It happened in one eight X-Men 
uh, Uncanny X-Men number 180 and in Secret Num- Wars number one. That's where we'll find out what happened to the X-Men. And as I said, Jim Shooter is getting involved in the Marvel Universe. Uh, and we're going to see impacts of Secret Wars 1 throughout this issue. Uh, so Ileana continues and she makes her way all the way to the Massachusetts Academy and she enters the building basically going through solid walls like they're nothing her astral form is not solid it's a psychic projection obviously and so it's no big deal she floats through the walls floats through uh into down into this basement deep deep with underground uh under the Massachusetts Academy and she stumbles on the scene of Kitty Pride. she is wearing this fuchsia colored pink fuchsia colored uh, jumpsuit and she's restrained to a chair her powers are no longer working and we do in fact see emma frost she is no longer incapacitated in fact she overwhelmed the mastermind and was able to break free of his control so she is back in charge and part of the hellfire club and Ileana makes a great note here she is so she realizes you know because kitty and and white queen they're talking about why kitty needs to join her and the white queen's making threats threats against her family she knows the axemen are missing so they're not coming to her aid to kitty's aid so the white queen's making threats like hey i can either make your life for your parents really good or it can be really bad that's up to you you decide you know, I can make them destitute and homeless and suffer. They will do nothing but summer, suffer. So, you know, you need to comply with my wishes. And as we're seeing this, uh, Ileana's giving us some more backstory that about the Hellfire Club, that they're a power-hungry group. They like power, wealth, and that's their whole goal. That's it. There's no other goal for the Hellfire Club except to amass, to amass great power. And Ileana, she's like, you know, I get it. She really does get it. Like, when she was presented with power given to her by Blasco, she struggled with trying to keep herself from taking it. Once you take power, all you crave is more, is what she says. And that's giving us a little insight into, uh, you know, into what has, you know, into Ileana. But she's also giving us a little more understanding as to why powers never seems to, the power that they amass at the Hellfire Club never seems to be enough. Uh, And so Kitty's like, well, you know, fine, the X-Men are missing. My, you know, you're threatening my parents. Doug, he'll, he'll call the cops. And this is a brilliant, this is one of my favorite parts of this. It just shows us how evil the White Queen truly is. And she's like, okay, you, you know, I'll show you what I've done with Doug. He doesn't even know you're missing. And she allows, uh, she has a psychic, re- psychic rapport with Doug. She's creating images and making Doug see Kitty Pride the way he wants to see her. And they're embracing in a hug and dancing under the stars. Doug looks all dashy and suave in a suit. And he, he's kissing this image of, of uh, Kitty Pride. And Kitty Pride can see this because Emma Frost is allowing her to see what Doug sees. And using her psychic powers and then she shows what actually is happening with Doug and there's nothing there she has basically presented a used Doug's mind against him created an image of Kitty Pride that he believes is there and 
it's super easy because Doug loves Kitty. And so that's easy to manipulate. And Kitty's having trouble believing that. Um, and so this is going on, and Kitty's trying to be resilient. Uh, but Emma's, Emma's definitely winning this fight. And Kitty's, uh, you know, brings up this mastermind stuff, and Emma loses her cool. Uh, but she's able to get under control. So we do know that, like, something really bad, there's some traumatic event, um, which is kind of interesting. We're getting this... Uh, interesting take on Emma to the degree that like something traumatic happened with Mastermind and we've had Ileana showing her some sympathy and like they both have similar trauma anyways don't know that we really need to linger here I don't know that there's a lot to delve into there Uh, but uh, Emma does get her cool back and, and she basically is beginning to use her mental powers to break down Kitty's barriers uh, Kitty's beginning to hear Emma's thoughts in her mind, and she's trying to fight back, but she is slowly losing this fight. Um, and it's at this moment that Kitty catches a glimpse of Ileana's astral form, and Ileana's shocked by this. And again, we've got another moment of subtext, right? Why is there this strong bond? Why why can she see Ileana? Because they have this super strong connection. And we can get into what that relationship is. And we will later in the episode because we're going to have another reference to that. But um, this... Kitty's shocked, surprised to see her. And it shows in her face. And it tips Emma off. Emma also is beginning to sense her using her psychic abilities. And... Uh, Kitty yells for Ileana to run as is because the White Queen knows who who that Ileana's here and she blasts her though with a psychic psychic blast I guess and Ileana's body dis- disappears it disincorporates just kind of vanishes in in a puff. So I really enjoy this next page. Uh, we see. A scream, and the letters are black letters, and they're fairly large. Uh, it's arg, and in each one of these letters, uh, we see one of the new mutants running towards the scream. We see Daniel, Moonstar, Rain, Sinclair, Sam Guthrie, Roberto da Costa, and Amara Aquila, and they're all leaving their rooms to investigate this scream, and they realize it's come from the other side of the mansion. And the door, it's they know the only person over there is Ileana because the X-Men are missing and Xavier's gone too. So they run over there. Sam kicks in the door and they are confronted by this monstrous face. Uh, it's green and it's giant. It's, a side, it's as big as the door. And it reminds me of like movies like Poltergeist or even like Ghostbusters. It, it looks like it's come out of that scene, like one of those movies. It's, it's beautiful. I really do enjoy this page. It's a great way to introduce us to the new mutants. Uh, and this demon flies out the door and they and they yell, you know, uh, that they've got to corral these demons. And they realize something's up with Ileana. She's sitting in the circle. There's a pentagram on the floor. And Danny tells them, you know, go go capture these de- demons. Round them up. I, I'll take care of Ileana. And uh, they have quite the experience trying to round, wrangle these demons. Uh pretty much on at the touch at touch they they disappear they disincorporate vanish um but they can change shape and size uh 
and it's pretty comical. Um, not gonna lie. Rain dives through one and smashes in a table. Roberto transforms to his sunspot form and he takes a big swing, uh, and he ends up falling on his ass as he makes contact. It just disappears. Uh, it's pretty comical. You know, I really like the narration here. He throws a haymaker punch that would have staggered the Hulk, unfortunately. And then we see the image of Roberto tumbling into rain as he loses his balance. Um, it's it's perfect. It's so perfect for uh, Bobby to have that kind of an experience. Uh, meanwhile, Sam, he's chasing uh, demons. He smashes into them as, they're near, as he races down the hallway, uh, and, and two of them disappear. Uh, he smashes through the window, though, and... Uh, two others escape outside and Amara yells at him you know that's not what we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to be capturing them uh, destroying them not letting them escape uh, Amara does blast one with a lava burst and it it disappears and Sam it's great like we haven't had Sam really talk about the fact or think about the fact that his powers you know he struggles with his abilities to blast he's not as far along with this as he'd like to be and he looks at Amara and he's like you know she just developed her powers and she's already mastering them like she's doing great like with her lava blast uh she's doing it like a pro and he's like thinking to himself I it takes everything I have just to turn like I'm so far behind everyone else and you know he he is able to knock out another one of these demons you know meanwhile uh Danny Moonstar's can trying to figure out what to do we see this image of Ileana on her hand on her knees uh head tilted back looking up at the ceiling and these these demons are just flowing out of her eyes just piling out of her eyes in the smoke form uh and Danny doesn't know what to do but she she knows she has to do something and, and she decides she's just gonna go headlong into him and and she swings punching one demon it just vanishes at her touch but she is swarmed by the overwhelming numbers of demons that are leap coming out of Ileana's eyes, and they claw at her, reach at her, and, and they're, she feels their their just everything, and, and their touch stings. She says, and she's you know she's desperate, and she falls, she loses her footing, she falls, she hits her head on something, and that's when her mutant powers like she's barely. You know, she's in and out of consciousness at this point, and, and her powers reach out and they grab whatever image they can out of desperation uh, to out of these demons' minds. And, and the image they're afraid of is, once again, Ileana. And, and it's very similar to the drawing that we saw, the depiction of Ileana we saw in the last issue, that demonic princess that scared Sim so much. It's it's what we see here, the dark child. And and that image of the dark child, it causes the demons to dis disappear, disincorporate, and they return, they, they, they vanish. Uh, Danny is, like I said, just balancing at that threshold of uh, consciousness and um, oblivion, and she sees this image, this this per, this being coming towards her. It's it's looks like Ileana, but it's just like the that that vision she had pulled from the the minds of those demons. Red skin, long flowing hair, and this elegant gown, and that that being that thing picks her up. And picks Danny up, and this is Danny's. Danny says, "Can't be. My spirit forms have no substance. 
their images, illusions, no thing more. But it was Ileana. Why did I see her as a sorceress? Her figure was growing up, so terrible, evil. Ileana isn't. And Ileana, as she, we see, you know, in the next panel, this picture of Ileana uh, having put Danny back in, into her bed, uh, standing over her, and she says, thanks for your vote of confidence, Danny. And thanks to herself, I wish it was deserved. You know, and I, and I love that. That's one of the great things about comics, right? Like, you can have somebody saying something, but in their thought bubble, they're thinking something completely different, right? We're getting the two sides, this internal conflict within Ileana is being, you know, really laid to bear on this panel. Um, and as she is telling Danny to just kind of relax and take it easy, uh, the rest of the New Mutants arrive and Sam's demanding answers. He wants to know what's going on. And so they all go downstairs to the kitchen and they begin really grilling Ileana. They want answers. Um, and, and Danny's like, she's not her enemy. You know, we don't need to treat her like this. And she finally admits, hey, I'm not just a mutant, I'm a sorceress as well. And, you know, Roberto's doing his usual thing, kind of poking fun. Uh, but they do want to know. They do want to know what happened. And so she tells them, hey, you know, I t- used my astral project. I pr- used a spell to project my astral form. I was concerned about Kitty. I wanted to find out what's happening. And guess what? She's not healthy and she's not safe. Uh, Mr. Mrs. Uh, White Queen has her captured and is doing really horrible things to her. And I'm, you know, we got to do something. We got to save her. And they're like, hey, you know, we're not supposed to. If something like this comes up, we're supposed to leave it to the X-Men. And Ileana's like, well, the X-Men are missing. And so they're like, well, we then are supposed to call the Fantastic Four or the Avengers. And this is really awesome. I really enjoy this because that's what they do. Roberto makes a phone call. He's like, <laughs> like this is the second time we've seen uh, Roberto use this line. But he says... I wonder if I can't get your autographs. Not for me, of course, for my little sister. You know, and he used that back on Team America. So it's really cool to see that, like, this is just what Roberto does, right? Like, he's too shy and too, uh, too like, um, macho and cool to ever have to ask for somebody's autograph. So he always needs cover. But what we're seeing is Roberto's calling the Fantastic Four, and he finds out that they're not around, they're not available, and the same thing is true for the Avengers. They're missing too. Um, they just disappeared, and so they must have run afoul, according to, uh, de- of some major villain, and indeed they have, according to Louise Jones. For details, see Secret Wars number one. And so all of the super teams are missing. They're all involved in Secret Wars number one, and or the Secret Wars crossover, and so they're missing, and that really only leaves the New Mutants. None of them can drive. They can't fly the X-Planes. How are they going to get to Massachusetts Academy? And so that, you know, and they're, and they're not really sure they even want to go, and Ileana's like, well, fine, you guys stay here. I'm going to go. You know, do whatever you got to do. And, you know, because that's what Kitty would have done. She would save us no matter what. And so they finally crack. They're going to go. It's just a matter of how they're going to get there. 
like I said, they don't have driver's license. They can't drive. If they got caught driving, it'd be really easy to catch them, especially if they're driving around in like Xavier's car. Stevie Hunter's is, she's gone. She's not around. So they can't have her give them a ride. And they don't have, they can't fly the planes. So really it leaves them all getting their money together, you know, trying to figure out everybody going to their rooms and getting whatever money they have available and all putting it in the pot into the pot to try to get a bus tickets to to go to Massachusetts. And like this is great because we've already remember back in Brazil that Roberto had a falling out with his father. So he's no longer has access to his family's wealth. So that means that they're gonna have to figure out this out on their own. And indeed they do. They all go and they all pitch in and they all are able to afford tickets. And so they go into to the to the city. They go into New York and uh, they get their tickets, and uh, they have this moment where, as they're buying their tickets, Danny, or sorry, Rain and Roberto, kind of wander off. They were standing by the escalator, Sam says, and he sees them that they're actually going up the escalator towards the observation deck, and they, the rest of the team follows them up the escalator, goes out in the observation deck. They're calling for them, and there's they don't respond. They're just entranced. They're looking at the cathedral where they had met that priest when they were here last. They'd met the priest and were gotten involved with Cloak and Dagger. And they, the two mutants, Rain and Danny, finally come out of their trance. And, and they don't know what they're doing up on the observation deck. And Rain does give us some insight into what happened. Uh, and so does Roberto. He tells everybody, hey, you know, I just felt like this calling, this intense urge to come here. And so I did. I'm not really sure what's going on. Uh, just something super important was going, you know, that I had to be, had to come. I just had to do it. And Rain tells us that she feels this terrible hung, animal, animal-like hunger for blood. And she's afraid. She's terrified. Um, I want to see this play out over this, this, this issue and then the next couple. Anyways, they all get on the bus and they head towards... Uh, they head towards the academy. Ileana is sitting by herself, um, and she realizes that, like, she is, you know, that Rain just does not trust her. Most of the team, in fact, most of the new mutants don't. After what happened, and you know, she's just. You know, she realizes that you know she is a demon. You know, pretty much a demon, and that maybe it's what she deserves. You know, maybe they they have her pegged, and maybe they're right. Um, and Rain is so just hateful of her. You know, she she sees her's. You know, the if it wasn't Ileana, so when Ileana showed up, that's when these feelings, these urges, this evil in her really, really started to bubble up. You know, and so she has no trust and no love for for Ileana at this point. Um. And there's some concern. Dan and Sam both talk, Danny and Sam both talk about um, what happened with Cloak and Dagger, and they're a little concerned about Rain and Roberto, and that Sam really thinks they need to look into it. But Danny's like, you know, we we've got to focus. We've got we can't take on too much. We're gonna we we've got to focus on what we're doing here. And Sam gives us some good insight, right? Um, 
Danny had printed off all the information she could on Hellfire Club, and she was reading through it. Well, Sam, he tried to... They, they'd gone to the danger room before they left, and they tried to run the Hellfire Club training program the X-Men use, but it was way too high for them, and the training, the training, uh, the danger room wouldn't let them access it. And so, you know, he figures they're outmatched, gravely outmatched, and there's probably no chance... You know, they're probably going to get defeated. They're probably not going to win this fight. Um... But he's hopeful, you know, the, they'll have the element of surprise. And there's two two mutants that'll be part of the team, uh, Amara and Ileana, that they don't know anything about. So maybe it'll be a long shot, but maybe, they, maybe they'll have a chance. Maybe, maybe it'll work out. And, you know, he's, he's just stuck in this, like, sadness and, like, concern and worry. He's not able to enjoy the ride the same way that like Amara and Bobby are. Bobby's enjoying himself. He's smooching and flirting with Amara, showing her the sights. And, you know, Sam figures he should be jealous, but he's just not. He's just overwhelmed with these thoughts. And he, and he finally notices Rain's really struggling and really quiet. And he he goes to talk to her. And she's like, be quiet. You know, she'll, she'll hear us. And Sam's like, what, Ileana? He's like, what if she does? And... And Rain's like, well, she's a witch. And he's like, well, you're a werewolf. She's like, well, of course I know that, you know. She knows that. She doesn't need him to tell him that. And they get into this conversation about God and religion. And, like, you know, God will judge Rain in her own time. And I I love this moment. Like, he he does a really good job of comforting her. Like, she explains, you know, I killed my mother at birth. She died at birth giving birth to me. And and Reverend Craig always told me it was my fault and that I'm evil and a spawn of Satan. And he's like, you know what? Like, he's human, right? And she tells him not to blast me. He's like, well, you know, the world's not a fair place. You know, I lost my family. My dad died, like, of, of the black lung. He coughed himself to death. Like, how is that? Like, who deserved that? My dad was a good man. He wasn't evil. He wasn't bad. Like, God works in mysterious ways, and we don't always understand what he's doing, and tragedies happen, but that doesn't mean that, like, anybody deserves it or that they're evil. And it's just really this poignant moment between the two, and Sam tells her, you know, you should, you know, you're a wonderful person you're 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 great and like awesome and a good friend and like god will judge you in his own time we don't need to worry about this like this isn't a problem and it's just really heartwarming she really just kind of leans into him and she cries and he tells her you know next time i go home you know since you miss your mother so much you miss your family you never met your mom like you should come with me come home with me next time i go home and and you can be around my family and it's just a really heartwarming scene. And it's something that really, I think, for a while has been developed, obviously building in rain. And it's great to see it finally coming out because she has been so isolated and alone. And she's really needed to unload this stuff. And so we're finally getting some of that here. Um, and we arrive. They arrive at the Massachusetts Academy. And this is another really well laid out. Really, I really enjoy the way this page is laid out. We've got... Um, five panels and they all run the length of the page and they're stacked on top of one another and in each panel we see different shots so we see the the school-like setting and students going to and from class and it's very much like a nice campus right and then the next panel below it we see this subterranean basement that we saw 
when Ileana, Ileana uh, projected her astral form and went to look for Kitty Pride, and uh, it's empty. There's no one around. And then on the next panel, we see the floor, and there's a steam coming off the floor, and it looks like this pink substance. And in the next panel, it's growing, and there's a hole developing in the floor. And finally, in the next panel, we see Amara coming up through the hole in her sunset, her inner, inner lava, uh, living lava form. It is so cool. I really, really do, uh, really do enjoy it. It's so neat. Um, and this is how the they access it. And she explains that lava burns through Earth, so that's how she burns through the floor, and the whole team is there. They all come up through the floor into the subterranean basement. Uh, Wolfbane takes her, her wolf form, and she has a telepathic connection with uh, Danny, and she's trying to pick up the scent of Kitty Pride, but there's so many smells that she just can't differentiate them. She can't figure out where, what direction to go. And Ileana's like, Hey, don't worry, I got it covered. I was here earlier in my astral form. I remember where she was, and she's like, she's in this room, and they go that direction, and sure enough, there sits Kitty Pride, still in that chair we saw her in earlier. And Ileana goes to her, and uh, and and uh, Kitty Pride's overjoyed to see her. Um, she says, it's about time, Rasputin. What? What took, what the heck kept you? Uh, and she's like, well, the bus broke down. And so they, this banter goes on, and we get a comment about the baby braid coming with you. Um, and, and they go to her, and, they, and, and Ileana reaches towards her, and her hands go right through her. It's, she's a holographic image. It's a trap. And the lights come on, and we, they're all blinded, and before the new moons, we see the white queen and she stands with a very subservient, broken, like just worn down Kitty Pride. Her head, her eyes are closed. Her head looks down towards the floor. They've been captured. And before this this comic comes to an end, we get a very small panel, a close-up of Ileana's face uh, face and it is inset into this larger panel showing the white queen standing above the new mutants um, and Ileana's thinking to herself if you've harmed kitty woman I'll bring this entire mountain down around your ears I'll use my magic to move your precious academy from earth to the heart of hell itself and like I get it like they're super close friends but again like I talked earlier uh, in the last episode, and, and I'm going to talk about it again in this episode, because it keeps coming up. There's this weird connection between Ileana and Kitty Pride, and yeah, there's an intense friendship here, but there, I think there's a sub subtextual uh, relationship, like you know, romantic entanglement between the two, uh, that you know, at the time, Comic Code would have prevented them from actually putting on the page um but we can hint at it and we dance around it and later on we're gonna see like the only person that can wield Ileana's sold sword uh in this in these early issues uh when Claremont's still in the book is Kitty Pride. she can use the soul sword um no one else can um and when you think like the soul sword is a this deep like part of Ileana um it's 
it has like this idea that it's it's a reference to like something more than just friendship um and we don't have to beat it with a dead horse i just wanted to point it out we get these subtextual like reading in between the line moments that kind of suggests that there's something more going on um and certainly we do know that Claremont likes to have things ha happen off the page in between panels and stuff uh and so it, it gives this illusion to the comics when he does that, when things happen off panel, when we've been away, when we end our story and we pick up the next book and there's been stuff that has happened off panel. It makes the world seem so much bigger. It makes them seem like the characters that he's created have lives that are so much broader than, than what we see just in the comics themselves. It makes them feel more real. And I do enjoy that quite a bit. Um, yeah, so the next issue is going to be issue number 16, and we're going to meet the Hellions for the very first time. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be great. The Hellions are wonderful. The Basically, they're the opposites. They're the evil team. They're not necessarily all evil. There are a few of them that are pretty evil, but there are a few that are pretty normal students. Uh, they just happen to have mutant powers. They are the Massachusetts Academy's uh, equivalent to the New Mutants. And uh, so they're going to be in the next issue, and that's called Away Game. Huh? Get it? Two competing schools, and you're traveled there to play uh, in a in a competition of sorts away game yep and that's issue number uh, 16 so come back next week and we will dive right into that and find out what happens to our intrepid heroes as they confront the white queen james explores the new mutants is as always recorded in iowa city iowa and is produced by myself using the anchor app New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant or via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. Visual companions for the episodes are available on Facebook uh, by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Uh, if you'd like to contact the podcast... Uh, a great feature that is available through Anchor is a voice message service. It allows you, the listeners, to record one-minute messages that then are delivered directly to me. I can then add those into my podcast directly. So there, your voice shows up right in the episode. It's a really cool way for you, the listeners, to get involved, ask co questions, comments, and I can answer them directly on air. It's It's really a cool feature. So if you are interested or want to comment or be a part of the, the podcast, don't hesitate to use it. Um, I will also do my best to answer questions or comments sent to my email or posted on Twitter. Um, so hopefully uh, we can start a dialogue. But uh, if not, you know, just keep listening. I, I enjoyed doing the podcast. It's great. It's wonderful. It's been a lot of fun. And I look forward to continuing with this series. Uh, until next week, keep reading those comics.